Welcome everyone to episode five, season one of our Superior Sales Disruption Podcast, which is proudly brought to you by our media partner, Retail World, Australia's premier publication of the grocery and FMCG industry. As will be the case throughout all, I'd like to be joined by my comrade uh, in Melbourne, uh, Mr. Mark Trawson. How are we today, Mark? How's things down there? No, I'm fantastic, Jamie, I'm, and I'm really looking forward to our interview with David Freeman with you. You know, the fact that David has taken the world by storm as an entrepreneur and through the ups and downs has been really, you know, immensely successful, I'm sure will be a treat for our listeners. What are you looking forward to? Mate, I, I, look, I, I really love the fact that uh, he started from nothing, he's passionate, uh, I've heard a bit of his story, I've done work uh, for David uh, previously uh, in my, my prior life at Superior Salesforce with providing with reps and, uh, and a program to assist in product development, he's just, he's, he's just really charismatic, he's really vibrant, he really cares and, uh, and you know, there, there's some of the things that I think uh, we're going to bring out of him today and, and, and for the listeners to, to get to know uh, about him and, and his product, uh, H2 Coco. So without further ado, David Freeman. And uh, welcome, Mr. David Freeman. Uh, David is the CEO and founder of uh, H2 Coco uh, and is also uh, 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 the winner of the Dynamic Entrepreneurs Award. So um, thank you for having us today. And uh, here you go, mate. Yeah, good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to, to do this podcast with you. Yeah, fantastic. And we've got our uh, remote hero uh, down in Melbourne. Mark, how are you today? No, fantastic. I've been really looking forward to this. Uh, it's a bit of a change. And... Uh, Having someone of David's esteem in terms of entrepreneurialism is a, is a big step up for us, I think. So I think just to start off, David, uh, as we do with all of it, uh, Jamie and I love telling stories. So every story has a great beginning or not so great beginning. Um, so could you tell us where, where you grew up and maybe where you went to school and you know some of your influences when you were growing up? Yeah, sure. Look, um. I grew up in an area called Cronulla in, in the south of Sydney and, uh, you know, beach suburbs, very much devoted to the water life and, and surfing and, and wakeboarding and all those sorts of adventurous sports. Um, I went to school at a, a place called Scots College in the eastern suburbs um, and sort of when I first moved out of home when I was 18 years old, I ventured over to my first house in Bondi and kind of haven't really left that eastern suburbs Bondi beach lifestyle since then and I'm 34 years old now young oh geez mate we, i'm from the shire mate so uh albeit i'm not now but uh i knew i liked you okay. yeah so what <laughs> you've left us and gone to be one of those eastern suburbites mate so uh uh who, who do you barrack for in the footy let's uh, let's get to the real important things I'm, I'm definitely still a shark supporter but you know if i had to out, and we sponsor the sharks at h2 coco as well so they're one of our <laughs> I, I actually did that for my sister so my, my younger sister is probably one of the biggest shark supporting fans you can possibly imagine and She's incredible, so I did that in support of her. And Fantastic. She would have been there in 06. But uh, anyway, that's uh, enough of our footy, mate. And so you, uh, you went to school in the eastern suburbs. Uh, a lot of your mates that you grew up with uh, in that area. So where's the, you know, even though you lived in Cronulla, you went to school in the east. How'd that work for you? Look, that, that was a challenging thing, you know, mm. catching a train to school for an hour and a half every morning. And, yep. and, and at the time, I was a professional wakeboarder and I was, you know, so focused on my sports at the time. And, and it was really my morning and afternoons were taken up from public transport. And it's, uh, look, the school was fantastic. Um, I must say, I still have lots of close friends in Cronulla, um, but, you know, also have a, surrounded myself with a bunch of friends in the eastern suburbs too. But the, the movement over to this side was more in relation to what I was currently doing in my life at the moment, at, at that point in time, and, and have still managed to be in that type of lifestyle and sort of more working environment in the eastern suburbs. Mm -hmm. I feel there's like, there's a lot more opportunities for business over this side of um, this, this area and in the eastern suburbs slash sort of city area. Fantastic. And look, we're, we're pretty excited to talk to you today, David. And the, and the, you know, one of the core things is uh, our podcast is, is really all about giving tomorrow's, tomorrow's up and comers the opportunity to listen to what we call you know, the industry gurus and the, 
uh, unfortunately, I use the term dinosaur. So you don't fit into that one, mate. So you're lucky you, you've missed the dinosaur one like me and Mark. And uh, um, But, uh, you know, to hear senior people within the industry and how they got to where they got and what were some of the forks in the road for them and as we're going to unravel with you today. But you're a little bit different, mate. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You've, you, you've started something from from nothing and uh um you know i you know i think uh, it'd be great to 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 share a little bit of uh you know what what it was that's got you to you know uh, thinking about a coconut you know uh, coconut water and and how that dream and how it all started mate where, where, does, where does it take you back to yeah sure look um i suppose it, it all started for me back in 2008 and it was i had no idea about the beverage industry i um I was actually in a Bikram yoga class in, uh, in New York city and the teacher happened to give me a fresh coconut and he said a couple of words to me that was kind of like one of those light bulb moments. He said, you just can't open it. It's so hard to open it. Um, and this was after he explained to me the health benefits and I tried it and tasted it and loved it. And it was one of those things that, you know, I walked out into the market in New York and was like, how good would this be in a bottle? And what do we have to do to get this into a bottle? And I must have searched maybe five or 10 stores to not really see any coconut water in a package or in a bottle at the time. And then I finally found one. And there was one other brand that had just started to sort of take off back in 2008. And I, um, I basically went home and did my research and, and, you know, on Google for a solid six months and, and then started doing some research and, and put together a bit of a business plan and a business model for my idea of launching this into the Australian market without any idea of what I was doing. And I then borrowed some money from my auntie, a small amount of funds for my auntie, come up with a name and a brand and went traveling to Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, and Brazil in search of that right manufacturing plantation and someone that could bottle our product. And it was, it was, it was a, a long process um, in getting that right. And I wanted to make sure that you know, we worked with a facility that had the right factory certification and cleanliness yeah. and wasn't some Asian sweatshop and all that sort of stuff that you kind of can get more scared about, especially then sort of 10 years ago. And, um, and we ended up in the Philippines um, manufacturing with, um, with one factory in the bottom of the Philippines. And actually it was a f quite a funny story. I, um, I remember at one stage, this, this factory was just installing its new Tetrapack machine. And that was one of the reasons apart from its certification and cleanliness and taste of the coconut that we we're getting from that region. That was one of the reasons that we went with this um, factory because of this new machine. And I remember there was a stage where I was sitting in this huge facility. It's got sort of 2000 people um, working at it. Um, they're a desiccated coconut and coconut milk and cream factory manufacturer and now wanting to get into the water. And there was one stage I was sitting around this big boardroom table at one end of the table, there was maybe eight or 10 executives from PepsiCo. In the middle of it was the supply manufacturers uh, of the actual machine, of the actual factory. And at the other end of the board table was myself on my own. And we're all negotiating who was going to be the first one to produce from this machine. And I was like, being my young self, I was like 24 years old going like, guys, I don't have anywhere near as much money as you. I don't have as many people in this room as you, but I've got more determination and passion to launch this coconut water first into the Australian market. So I think I should be going first. I was here first and, and <laughs> hour long negotiation and, and I, and I got it and we, we, we got to produce first off this machine and unfortunately it actually failed incubation. So it was probably a laughing lesson for myself, but it was, um, it was, it was a, quite a tough conversation. And, and so David, uh, I'm really intrigued by that as a story because I, I think a number of us out in corporate land, it's not that there aren't enough ideas. It's just, a lot of us don't have the confidence to get it through a bureaucracy like a big organisation or big corporate. What made you feel you had the confidence to take on such a risk? It's a good question. I think it's um, I think it's about the risk and reward and not being shy to take risks. I think business is all about taking risks. Um, obviously, as you get bigger in a business and you get um, more well established, you take much more calculated risks. Um, but when you're young, innovative and determined to make a difference and introduce something new into a category or, or any start a new business. Like it's about taking those risks and, and taking it on and do, do your research, get as much of it as you can done to begin with and, and understand the category or understand the opportunities, but don't be shy to take those risks. And like I said, as you get bigger in business, 
that's when you can start to take more calculated risks. And I think to me, that's one of the major differences between H2 Coco and, you know, a major um, beverage company, you know, they've got layers and layers of hierarchy. They're not quick, fast and nimble. And, you know, they say these days, not only does bigger beat smaller, but faster beat slower, you know, and we can take that nimble approach to product development, innovation, even our, our approach to when we're dealing with our customers and, and not only our customers, our retailers, our consumers, everyone, you know, we can be fast acting and responsive and, and, um, and really give them the attention and detail that they need. Yeah, you've put uh, forward some really good values there, so to speak. Is there anything in particular that guides you personally in terms of what your mantra is or what your purpose is or, you know, what is your why? Um, look, I, I'm, I, I do believe in, um, in, in kind of never giving up and as cliche as that sounds, um, you know, in terms of the never giving up around this coconut water launch, when we launched back in sort of 2009, 2010, it probably took me two or three years, maybe four years to even get any traction. And I was literally knocking on everybody's doors, trying to present to them coconut water is going to be the next big thing. And I, I, I do think that if you, throughout the whole process of when, of never giving up, if you constantly remain humble and you're constantly, you know, open and transparent about what you're trying to achieve and what you're trying to do, I, I really do believe that you can, you can launch a brand successfully. You mentioned uh, obviously taking a risk. And uh, for me, the word risk really rolls back into disruption. Uh, you're prepared to disrupt the market. You're prepared to disrupt yourself in taking on a challenge and, and, and sitting in a boardroom with you know, PepsiCo executives at one end going, hey, no, no, boys, I'm here first and I've got more passion than you. And, and, that, and, 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 and that, irrespective of whether the first batch didn't get through, that, obviously they went with you, the manufacturing people, and that, that's, that's, a, that's a true testament to disruption. And, uh, and your product has been disruptive without a doubt. One of the most exciting categories, I mean, uh, the beverage industry is going through a lot of growth and, you know, back when, uh, back when, uh, a few young, uh, young whippersnippers like me and Mark were out, uh, you know, trying to launch, uh, the first real big energy drink of V here in Australia. Uh, you know, I can't remember what year it was. Or was it 1945 or something, Mark? And, <laughs> I think 1999 is probably more accurate. accurate. Yeah. The Godfathers right. of energy drink launch. So, <laughs> mate, so, you know, we, we saw that come in as a, as quite innovative at, 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 without a doubt at the time. But and, and it was really quiet for a number of years. I mean, you know, you guys and obviously, you know, some of the tea variants that have come out and, you know, um, uh, but and obviously kombucha is obviously one of the bigger ones in, in today's, uh, in today's marketplace, but you know, you know, testimony to the, to the disruption that you've, uh, that you brought to the table. And, uh, but where did your career really start though? Like where was all this, you know, like you're between the 18 and, and 23 in that boardroom, uh, or in New York, uh, yep. where was David in between there? Yeah, look, I, uh, I left school and started, uh, studied architecture for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that kind of led me into the construction, um, side of things where I, I also had my own construction company. I was more a project manager and kind of doing that early mornings. Um, but also at the same time, when I left school, I got into the, the nightlife um, bars, restaurants um, game too. So I was in hospitality for probably 10, 12 years from, from the age of 17. I think I wasn't really allowed into the first one that I was involved in um, up until yeah, about, about 28, 29. And, um, and it was, it, Look, nightlife was, was fun. Um, it certainly taught me a lot, the hospitality side of things. And I had multiple venues going on across food, bar, restaurant type stuff. And, um, but it got to a point where Sydney's nightlife also started to go down. And, and at the same time, I was launching this HD Cocoa brand in the background. And as I was kind of juggling construction, hospitality and HD Cocoa, um, you know, with the nightlife going down in Sydney sort of five years ago, HD Coco starting to really take off and need my full attention. I, I kind of um, shut up shop on and, and got out of the hospitality industry. I, um, I handed over the, the construction company to my business partner at the time in that and said, look, my 100% devotion is wanting to empower people's lives towards making every day healthier. And I'm going to do that through HD Coco. And that's been my mission in the business from day one as well. Um, and it's never changed. And you know, in hospitality, you're selling alcoholic beverages and now I'm selling this type of beverage, but I, I do feel that I'm making a bigger difference to people's lives by, by giving the, the better for you option and, and healthy option. 
Yeah, Mark, you'd uh, definitely have to say that's a that's a good a good one for purpose and mantra, isn't it? No, I love that. And uh, the other thing that I really loved listening to this is one of the core tenets of disruption is the ability to embrace constraints, because I think disruptors actually take on constraints as a, a positive and not let it limit them. And you sort of talked about how you had more passion, but you didn't have the deep pockets. What yeah. what was it that, you know, that allowed you to embrace constraints and really take the big boys on, you know, head first? What allowed me to do it was, was definitely that disruptive approach to it. I, I think, look, the innovation, the determination and passion to want to make this successful and, and knowing that I could produce something that was quality, first to market type and could really make a difference to people's lives was probably the biggest driver. You know, there's just this, the beverage industry, you think like sort of fight, let's think, I launched nine years ago and nine years ago was pre every health trend. Um, you know, nobody really cared about healthy beverages or healthy foods or Sarah Wilson hadn't quit sugar yet and all these sorts of other, you know, different diets and all that weren't out there. This was pre a trend and, and we launched prior to that and I was determined to sort of know that everyone was going to go down that healthy alternative and healthy, um, you know, capture that healthy moment in their life at some point in time. And, and that time would come soon. And I wanted to make sure that we were in the game producing quality products that were healthy, that would help people change their lives. And that has been our mission statement from the beginning. And it, and that won't change And everything that we do will always be focused on improving people's lives. So you were, you were in a yoga class and, and, and the lightning struck and you're really passionate. And I would assume though, that, you know, one of the challenges you've faced is that yes, while you're probably the most passionate person at the table, you know, to make this as big as it's become, you've had to build a team to help you do that. How do you ensure that, you know, the people that you bring on board have the same sort of passion levels and energy levels that you do? Tough question. Um, it's team is definitely the most important part of your business and the hardest thing to manage. Um, finding the right people and employing the right people for the right position is as always I think it's a struggle in any business uh, and will continue to be a struggle until you get better at it or until you become a better leader. Um, but it's, yeah, it's look, we've, we've changed lots of different positions and lots of different people in the business over the years. I'm really um, strongly passionate about the team that we have now and think that it's, it's probably the strongest team that we've had in the business. There's only 26 of us, I think in the business at the moment. Um, and it's, look, we're, like I said previously, we're a small, nimble, fast-acting business um, and all aligned with the same values. You know, our, our business has seven different values that we live by and live, <laughs> I probably live by them. Everybody, <laughs> we work by them. And, um, and you know, there's, there's implementing those values into the business, like owning your role or candor or, you know, a healthy alternative or things like that. If I can get each team member to participate and engage in, in the values and understand the values of the business. And I think I can get everybody working really well together and really love what they're doing here. I think it's a hard thing to, to get that in, in people. Um, and I haven't really found the easiest format to really say, how do you find that right person for it? Um, but it, you know, when I, um, when I go through an interview process, when we're looking for someone new, I actually, I do a bit of a different interview process than most people. Um, you know, most people get a resume, they read it, they ask like, what are your strengths, weaknesses, the sort of standard sort of boring interview process stuff. And I kind of take a different approach. And I, you know, I ask them like, how would they, how would they plan out their most ideal working day? Like, tell me how, you know, you can, you can pick up um, and you can understand a person's character. And I actually, most times I won't even go into an interview if it's been chosen for them to meet with me and, and read their resume. I don't want to read anyone's yeah. resume. I don't want to know where they've been and what they've done or what they've written on the resume. I want to get to know that person and I want to yeah. down find who that person is and are they going to be related to our company culture? You know, culture is a big part. And if you can find the right person with the right culture for your business, then you've got a better chance of them enjoying what they do here. And if they enjoy what they do, they'll do a better job. Yeah. And and finding finding the right people is is always the the biggest challenge in any business, um, but certainly in the sales game. Um, so yes, bringing some experience to the table is important. You know, bringing a bit of selling skills is important. But really, 
you know, I think the fundamentals, like you said, about culture, um, passion, uh, even one that came up uh, recently with one of our podcasts, common sense, you know, like, yeah, it, it, believe it or not, the, today, not everyone has co- common sense and what's common to some is not common to all. So um, what's the one ingredient that is really important to you, though, if you're interviewing someone to work with in your business? What's, what's the number one ingredient, would you I say? I think culture would be a big part of it, yeah. definitely. Um, look, we, you can see from our office, for those that can't see it here, we're quite, it's a quite colourful office. You know, we've got lots of stuff going on. It lives and breathes a brand. And I think our marketing, our people, our products all need to relate to each other. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to be the most healthiest person that comes into here, but I guarantee you after working here for six weeks, you'll become a lot healthier. Um, it's, um, I, I think that it's really important for people to embrace the culture of what they are so they don't come in and get a good job. We don't have the layers and layers and layers of hierarchy um, and yeah. reporting to and all of this sort of stuff. It's, and we, we, one of our values is own your role and making sure that everybody owns their role. And if they can do that, you know, they can, they'll, they'll succeed in their role. One of the things I'm really intrigued about listening to this is I think a lot of big corporates, again, you know, shoot themselves in the foot a bit by, you know, they, they laminate their values. It's above the reception. And there's the assumption that everyone gets it. It sounds like you um, enable those values to come to life in a day-to-day sense. I mean, do you reward against people amplifying those values and, and also do you have hard conversations if you feel the values aren't being upheld 100 percent. you know i'm constantly referring to one of our seven values on a daily weekly basis in all sorts of meetings and yeah you know, we do you, like a i suppose a more corporate company we do reviews of, of people and we do it two times a year and one of the questions in those reviews is you know how has this employee or how has this team member displayed or shown um, their belief in our values and, you know, we get them to answer that. And, and we also have our say in it. And yep. it's, uh, I, I think it, it's really important to, to do that. And yeah, having it laminated on the back of a door or somewhere like that, isn't always a way you literally need to live and breathe it. And don't just write those things to be cliche, um, you know, values because it sounds good. It looks good in a strategy, like actually engaging them and making sure that they're, you know, relevant to what your business is. You, um, one of the questions that we do ask is, um, you know, what was one of the, the, what's one of the standout times where disruption or disrupting the market was key to you and obviously bringing this brand to life was key to you, but you know, was there a point where you felt that, uh, that wasn't going to, it wasn't going to come together and, you know, and, and how did you overcome that and, and, and really internalize that? Yeah, look, as, as a business, young business, um, not having any idea myself as a, as a CEO going into a beverage business, there was it's certainly been times in the starting stages where I thought, geez, work and mm. what am I doing here? And, and, you know, I believed constantly in the product and it, it, like I said previously, we launched before that health trend, you know, so I had to nut it out for a couple of years before it actually happened and nothing comes easy. You know, business is not easy. Business is always going to be tricky. And for those that think that they're going to enter into launching a product or launching a brand and it's going to be really easy, like think again. It's, but, you know, myself, I've, I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life to this and more so even the last five years where it's been 100% of it. And, you know, and I, and I won't stop and I, and I love it. And I make sure that everyone here loves doing what we do. And, and those times where you think it's going to get too tough, like, I've, I've actually learned to overcome those stressful moments. I, don't, I try not to, well, I actually pretty much don't stress in my life. And, and I've done that through a, a, form of, a form of meditation type way in terms of when something bad happens to you or something goes wrong or, or something happens, you know, like the normal way for most people is to, they will dwell on that for a long time. And it will constantly play on their mind and it'll go over and over again in their mind and it'll build up and it'll snowball effect and more and more things could go wrong or something will happen and it gets worse and worse. And, and that's why you, you build up on stress. And what I've learned over the years that is when something does go wrong, you've got to first accept it. So acceptance is a big thing. Accept that this has happened. And that may be hard at first and you might get your knee-jerk reactions to certain things. But as, as the days go on or weeks go on, you, you need to learn to accept it. And then 
the way to help you accept it is to first understand why this happened. I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And you need to now ask yourself, why has this happened? And the third part to it is, what can I learn from this going forward to help me overcome it? And if you can learn those three steps, you can learn to overcome stress and realize that you don't have these things playing on you. And I believe that you can better yourself and better your business from the mistakes that you've made in the past. That's uh, amazingly insightful. Uh, I think uh, we'd all uh, we'd all do well if we took a uh, leaf out of that book, uh, David. Uh, um, it's uh, not easy to do. Um, it's not, not easy, easy to, to do. do. It comes um, with practice. Yeah, it does come with a lot of practice. But uh, uh, I think that's uh, that's something that uh, some of our, a lot of our listeners will will probably be able to relate to in their own lives, whether it's in business or in family. Uh, and you know, they're the same principles that you can apply to anything. I've yeah. applied that across my whole life. Yeah, yeah not just business. Yeah. Um, and it is in, they are, they, it sounds easier than what it does. And, and that took me a long time to do it and a lot of mistakes happening. And, you know, instead of just playing on my mind of these mistakes and one of them actually, you asked the question, it was, you know, like as a business growing so fast, there's, there's a thing called growing broke you know, where mm. you can outgrow yourself so much that you can go broke. And if you don't manage things properly or understand your financials in detail or have a good financial manager or support or understand your numbers, you can outgrow yourself and, and, and grow broke. And we almost did that multiple times. Um, you know, cash is king, cash flow is king, um, more cliche sayings, but um, it, but it's true. And, and that's probably been some of the learnings over the years to, to make sure that we've got a handle on that and, and understand those numbers definitely. But also not stress about it like money comes and goes and 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 if you're determined to make something of your business and you know that you know you're on the right path whether it be a sustainable approach to your business or an ethical approach to it and you've got the right products and for the right time then then stick at it and do it yeah well fantastic uh love hearing uh, about your theories on disruption one of the with some practical examples one of the things i'm I'm really intrigued about from disruptors is their ability to be sort of discovery driven, you know, so, it, you know, to avoid being a one hit wonder, you've got to still keep being discovery driven. I mean, you did that when you're in the yoga class and you drunk the, the coconut. Yeah. How do you keep yourself from being discovery driven? And if you don't mind, you know, can you give us an example of, you know, where, you know, future products could be? Yeah, sure. Look, it's, it's a, that's a good point. I mean, innovation has definitely been something that's been the driver of growth with this business. Um, I do like to pride ourselves and the company on, on being first to market and, and providing innovation to our retailers and consumers. Basically, like, look, in a nutshell, and no, no pun intended, I, you know, I live and breathe this. You know, I'm reading every article. I'm visiting uh, export shows and trade shows from all over the world, just looking for that new innovation and new idea and finding what, what is that new trend or product or how else can we develop products? And, you know, our latest thing um, that we've just launched actually is, is a pink coconut water. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's just a pure coconut water that happens to be naturally pink. Um, and Look, a lot of people are probably going to ask questions why, so I'm going to explain that if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> basically, it's, um, it's a different type of nut or coconut to our current pure range. And where we source this, this specific type of nut, it's called a Namhom coconut, is in a small province in Thailand where there's a high nutrient or polyphenol content in the soil. And because of that, it develops a, a naturally sweeter stronger floral taste and smell of coconut water and um, during the extraction process of that and that's bottling it there's a in and partially because of the nutrient content um, in the soil and the sweetness that it produces the oxidization makes it go a little bit pink turn the, the like a light pink color but this product the reason why it's kind of so rare and not only with the process and the taste is because it's actually a unique product that's going to give consumers the opportunity to that don't currently drink coconut water to drink it and get gain the health benefits from it. Now, I just sampled this with Jamie and, uh, and he just told me, look, I'm not a coconut water drinker. I have to admit to you. 
which I almost got up and walked out, but I'm here still. And, and you know, and, and then he tried it. And, and Jamie, tell me about your experiences then trying the pink coconut water. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of coconut, uh, um, you know, from opening it up in the husk and, you know, and, and drinking out the coconut milk on the beach of Fiji somewhere is, is, definitely, uh, is definitely great. But uh, that gave me a true flavour and a, 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 certainly not a watered-down um, water flavor added with coconut it gave me a milkiness it gave a a real back taste of really what a, a coconut what a fresh coconut a refreshed would coconut like. would taste like and you know for me that that was uh you know you you have to have it chilled but that was really really flavorsome and really the it was just a, a soft you can hit taste the nuttiness in the background of it so yep. definitely is a product i would consume i'm not sure what your sugar contents in this one dave so are you being healthy yeah look at it's well there's no added sugar so okay. we don't add any sugar to our products yep. it's, it's all 100 percent there the content of sugar that is in there is naturally produced from the coconut itself. Yep. And to, just to clarify one thing around that with sugar content and when consumers are actually looking at nutritional profiles, it's a good lesson to, to know and understand that, look, um, your body does need a natural source of sugar for its, for its energy. So cutting out sugar 100%, I don't think is always the main thing, but cutting out um, bad sugars processed sugars that's the word sorry is is definitely what you want to be doing so if you're if you're getting a natural source of fructose and sugars coming from a type of fruit or something like that they're they're good for your body again in moderation but they're still good for you so there's nothing wrong with drinking coconut water that's um as long as it doesn't have added sugar to it in terms of i mean your growth david i mean have you been helped along by mentors or and, and how do you value mentors in your life yeah look i um I think mentorship is a, is a very important part of, of business and personal life. Um, I have probably for the first five or six years of this business, I didn't really have any mentors and I didn't really have anyone that I, or maybe I just wasn't really game enough to reach out and ask people for help. And I thought that I could do it on my own or, or thought I was surrounding myself with people that could also help me. But the last couple of last sort of four years, I've really, taken an interest in mentorship and not only having my own but also mentoring some other people where possible people that reach out to me as well and and i lo- and i love that and i've uh, i i'd probably say i've got two major mentors that i talk to a, a lot of the time uh one of them uh, a really close friend of mine john winning who has a, a business appliances online and winning appliances and probably i think he's got the, the biggest online retailer in australia um of, of white good that's not a not a beverage, food and beverage brand but, you know, he's just, uh, you know, we went to school together. He's, he's an amazing person, really switched on and, and you know, has, has been doing his business since he sort of left school. And, and it's, uh, it's been a, he, he's, he's a whirlwind of information and, and knowledge and someone that I can just relate to openly and candidly. And, and the second one would be, it's probably been the last couple of years, a, a guy called Toby Brown, um, who has kind of been like that, like kind of father figure, like he's a, he's an absolute saint of a human and he's got a business called pharmacare that has sort of 34 35 brands underneath it and and he's a sole founder of this brand these brands and businesses and and he's you know the thing with with uh john winning toby and i is you know our, our personalities and our values are all very much aligned and it's he wants to, he said to me a couple of years ago you know like if if i had the help that i could give someone 15 years ago i'd be 10 times bigger than what i was and it was something that kind of just resonated with me that you know this this guy is just a really good person and he's got really good experience and knowledge and wants to help so um i catch up with him at least once a month and and we talk through um the good times the hard times and the fun times and what's next and all that sort of stuff so it's uh we, we we've had a few discussions on mentors in our podcast uh, david and um you know we use the terminology that you know uh, a mentor is not someone that you can, you know, it's, it's not, not like a marriage. You can't go and find them. You know, it's like you, you've, got to, you've got to have something in common. You've got to have something that you, you, know, you both can relate to. And, and, and it's, it's not like you just stick two people in a room and go, right, you're now his mentor. You've got to have a connection. Yep. And, and obviously you have that. Quite a, quite a small world though, mate. Uh, uh, Toby from Pharmacare. Um, we know the Pharmacare business quite well. Uh, I've uh, 
known John Donlan, who's the CEO of Pharmacare, who's actually been one of our guests so, uh, on our podcast. So uh, you'll, you'll actually uh, get the opportunity to, to hear John and, uh, and, and, and obviously his thoughts on Pharmacare and, and some of the things that have you know, been part of his journey as well. So He's also a, a, an amazing person, you know, and, yeah. and you just look at, you know, he's now the CEO I'm on Pharmacare and you have a look at his personality and persona and his values as a business and you can see why he's so aligned to Toby and running that business for Toby too yeah. because they're just, they're great human beings. <laughs> like they're really good people. And mate, for a, a privately owned business to be clicking over nearly a quarter of a billion dollars, yeah, half a billion dollars a year, sorry, mm. 500 mil and, uh, you know, over 500 employees is, is a big, uh, it's, it's a big business. So. Like 34 countries or something yep, like that. Yeah, yep, so it's a yep, big business. It is indeed. Um, Mate, uh, I'm going to throw to uh, one of our normal questions, which I actually probably going to take off the table. Mark, what do you reckon? Trying to get, uh, trying to get um, David to tell us uh, what he'd look back and recommend uh, to himself when he was 25 years of age. Uh, I don't think there's that much gap between now and when you're. No, nah, but but I, but I think that this question's a bit different because you've been on such an incredible learning curve. You know, if you went back to that yoga class and you were starting again with what you've learned, is there anything you'd do different? I think there's lots I'd do different. Um, and, you know, I know whatever I do in the future or whichever path I take, I can take a lot of what I have learned over the last nine, 10 years and, and, and definitely start a, 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 a bigger business much easier. Um, look, this has been a, a whirlwind of an experience launching this and we've had many ups and downs and it's not all been easy, like I mentioned. But um, probably three things that I'd say that, top line as as and i think lots of entrepreneurs would probably agree to me with this particularly when starting something new from scratch um i definitely identify and implement better process processes that i can handle for for growth you know like for, for quick growth you know if implementing the right process from the beginning is so crucial in business and um and you know along the way as we've grown we've had to implement new processes and sometimes it's been a process that's only last six months because we've outgrown it. And so now it's like, okay, make sure that you, the second thing would be make sure you have a really detailed strategy and not just a one year strategy, have a three and five year strategy. And then your processes will align to that clear strategy. And the, and part of the strategy, it's so important to make sure that, that everyone behind you, beside you within your team and everything is aligned to that strategy and they are with you the whole journey and the whole way and, and even helping you develop it. Like I have my whole team involved from marketing to sales, to finance people helping develop the strategy. And if they're in it, they're also owning it too. Um, so I think getting that really clear strategy is a big part. And I'd say that the, the third thing it would definitely be, you know, understanding my financials from top to bottom in a lot more detail customer profitability, all of that sort of stuff down to, you know, skew by customer, hmm. uh, by channel profitability from the beginning. And it's something that I, I didn't have for many years. And it was just like, go, 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 grow sales, this, let's do it. Let's go for it, produce this product. And, you know, we had, we had the staples of what margins and things like that we kind of needed to do, but then we didn't quite manage it as efficiently as we wanted to. And pulling all those things together, like I, I think without kind of also losing your innovation and creativity to where you want to be um, would be the things that I'd, I'd do differently or improve on. That's some great advice for uh, young entrepreneurs wanting to, uh, to bring out their next, uh, next uh, big hit in the uh, confectionery snack or beverage, uh, beverage space. So yeah, uh, definitely. And, and also don't, don't, don't forget about the mentorship too. Like I started that late. I do really believe in mentorship. Yeah, it's it's an it's an important ingredient because it gives you the ability to bounce off someone and get a different set of eyes to look at a, a problem or a process and uh, and and a, and a heap of wisdom and experience. Yeah, um, and because you, you can get so stuck up in your business and you don't realise that what you're doing may not be the best way or the best process or yep. you know and 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 that even goes for not only you but also your team. You can get so stuck in it. So get that pair of eyes from someone that is outside of your business to give you advice. Just going to share with everyone that uh, 
David and uh, David was talking to me a bit earlier. He's just coming from the States. So you've just had a bit of a whirlwind trip over there. And you want to talk us through what you're doing in, in the States and, and obviously taking you, your product overseas. But um, more interested to tell all the uh, listeners that uh, um, David was uh, doing a, uh, a nudie swim on uh, Sunday. Uh, what beach was that at, mate? It was at Cobbler's Beach in Manly. Cobbler's Beach. And uh, for a great cause, which I'll let you share, uh, obviously, uh, about uh, Charlie Teo, I think, from uh, what you were saying. So uh, what are we doing in the States and what were you doing na- naked in the ocean, mate? So the the uh, the naked part in the ocean is, uh, is is probably more important than the states right now. But it was um look it was a it was a charity swim um to help raise funds for the Charlie Teo Foundation. So Charlie Teo, one of the most inspiring people on this planet that I know, and 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 just an an all right legend. I'm I'm proud to say he's a friend of mine, and he's truly inspiring. He's had this um this swim for the last sort of seven years called the Sydney Skinny, and it's about basically stripping bare naked and when you're when you've and and you know letting go of everything and when you are diagnosed with brain cancer or 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 a tumor of some sort you are basically stripped bare of everything and and reality kicks into what's actually you know what's required in your life and what you need to do and sydney skinny is about stripping bare with 1400 other people raising money to cure brain cancer for the charlie tia foundation and um it was what's the right word, sort of quite vigorating, really, like running on the beach naked with everybody and, and doing a swim. And when uh, about, about sort of four to five months ago, I was at lunch with, with John Winning and, and, uh, and Charlie. And um, he said to uh, John and I that the event might not go ahead this year. They, they'd had some changes in their sponsorship and, um, and, and John and I kind of, you know, to help them sort of pull it all together and, and John and I looked at each other both at the same time and that wasn't the reason for our lunch we were just having a friendly catch-up and we said well what is it going to take like mm. let's keep this going it's a it's a good concept and it's going for a good cause so we supported that and part of it was I suppose me swimming so yeah I came back from the states and jumped straight in the ocean that morning and was, uh, you should have had it on LinkedIn, mate. I didn't see nothing posted there. I could have, you could have got a sponsorship out of some others, mate. So uh, yeah, uh, you got to uh, let let everyone know when you're doing a great cause because giving back and and having a purpose outside of what we do, you know, ten twelve hours a day in here, and you know, obviously uh, it's an amazing cause and. Uh, don't know Charlie personally, but certainly know enough about the work he's done, and uh, you know, for you know, for you to you know, to, to chip in and, and do that. And, yeah, it's incredible. I think yeah. I think he's the only brain surgeon that's out there that's actually participating in fundraising. Mm. Which I which I heard them say that on the weekend, which is just amazing. Someone that, that can have that that just cares about it so much. You know, like it's it's and and that's what we want to support. You know, as a business, but also myself personally. What do you reckon, Mark? Uh, let us know next year when the skinny's on. We'll uh, we'll we'll get down to it, mate, and get out there and swim. What do you reckon? I don't know if that's a great thing for the the people involved, you and I doing the skinny, but uh, definitely support everything that Charlie does. I've got uh, a close friend who's gone through uh, having a brain tumor, so the work that he does is incredible. Uh, but seeing you and I, you know, running down the beach may not be good for their cause. But um, that's in terms of. <laughs> but in terms of uh, your next steps, David, uh, you know, as a disruptor, uh, yeah. have you got anything that you're mapping out for yourself that uh, will lead to a, a further disruption? Yeah, look, a, a couple of things at the moment. So I just mentioned about the US. So the US has always been part of my company strategy to, to want to launch and expand over there. Um, and the reason I hadn't really taken it on previously was one, you know, coconut water itself is a flooded market in the, in the States. And I wanted to make sure that I built up a portfolio of innovation and some first market innovation before I went over there and tried to tackle that, um, that market. Cause you really only get one chance. And this was, uh, we just exhibited, had our own um, standard uh, trade show called Expo West. And the main focus for, um, the exhibition wasn't our core range of coconut water here in Australia. It was actually our, our new banana water, which is called H2 Nana. Um, we're launching the world's first 100% real banana water. Um, <laughs> start seeing that. That rolls out in Caltex actually next week as the official launch. Um, it's, and I'll, I'll get onto what that is in just a second. Um, the, the 100% real watermelon water and, and our pink coconut water were sort of the three core highlights, which were new innovation to the US market. And we're pretty excited and, the feedback from that was just overwhelming and incredible. And part of my strategy originally was do this trade show, 
have the sort of baby steps and fill the market a bit and, um, and, and work. And previously we'd, we'd started to work with one distributor there to kind of, so to, to, um, to start launching and, and then within 12 months set up a second office there. And I think from the outcome of that trade show just last week, I've probably fast forward that six months. So I reckon we'll be set up there with an office in a warehouse in the next sort of six months. So very exciting wow. stuff there. And, um, yeah, look, we're, we're ready to tackle the, the U S market, obviously not, not never forgetting what we're doing here. This is our bread and butter. Um, and, uh, and, and this is our core focus here in the, uh, in the Australian market, but I, I think I'm ready to take that on. And, and like I said, I want to share the innovation that we've got with the rest of the world. Mate, that, that's exciting news. And, uh, you, you know, I like the fact you just mentioned, you've got to stay true. I just made a note while you were talking, you've got to stay with your core roots of what you do as well. Course, right? So yeah. you don't, don't lose focus there, but uh, certainly a massive market in the States if you can crack something there. And mate, uh, I'm going to, uh, the time has flown. I, I, I actually, I think we're even over, but, uh, I wanted to just quickly, you mentioned you read a lot. Um, you, you mentioned to me, before off air when before we started that you you, you read the superior sales uh um uh news you know our, our blogs that come out every friday so uh um you know any feedback from those uh you you said you, you really enjoy reading them and what would you you know if people aren't getting them would they would you recommend that they get a get a read of that yeah definitely look i think knowledge and, and education is key and, and i'm always open to learning i think everybody needs to be um you guys have got a wealth of experience between you and uh, yeah, your, your blogs and emails that I've been reading have been fantastic. Um, so keep them up. I, I want to keep reading them. So it's, um, I think everyone should, should sign up. It takes you five minutes to read. Um, but yeah, it's, there's some really good helpful knowledge in there. Yeah, it's good, good, good bit pictures of the movies, the old movies that we've watched in the previous, uh, Mark's having a chuckle there, but, uh, look, uh, I, I'm, uh, mate, I want to just firstly, thank you. Thank you for your time. You're, you're, you are leading the way in innovation. You're leading the way in, in forward thinking in the beverage space. Um, there might be other chat, you know, uh, there might be other categories emerging with kombucha and, and a few others, but, uh, the fact that, you know, you know, your pink coconut water, your, your macadamia acquisition. I mean, these are, these are things and the U S growth that they're all, you're, you're, that you're truly doing what me and Mark have in our programs, which is about three steps in front. Yeah. You're really looking at being three steps in front of the curve, three steps in front of your competitor. And, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate you being very honest and sharing that and sharing some of your stories of your, of your young journey. Uh, Mark, uh, anything you want to ask uh, Dave before we close off? Now, for me, I was blown away. Thank you very much for helping us understand disruption from a true disruptor. Yeah, look, thanks very much. It's um, it's it's always it's enjoyable doing these things, and I think it's important to get as much information and knowledge from whether my from my experience to as many people as possible because let's let's all help change the world and make it a better place, really. Yeah, and on that note, oh look, uh, all guys, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed today's podcast with. Uh, uh, Mr. David Freeman, uh, it's been a, a great insight uh, into uh, what it takes to be a, a young entrepreneur. I'm sure we're going to see more and more of uh, this guy uh, as, as, his, as his business and career continues to grow. So uh, we'll look forward to maybe checking in in a year or two's time uh, and seeing what all the other innovations you bring into, bring into Australia and, uh, and around the world. So thanks, thanks for your time, mate. Thank yeah, you. thanks, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. Cheers. Well, what an amazing uh, podcast that was, mate. Uh, I really, uh, really enjoyed talking to David. Um, and I, uh, I think our listeners will really get some, uh, some great stuff out of that and, and real, some real learning. So, mate, what, what were your key takeouts, Mark? Look, there was a lot. And, um, but my three key takeaways, I think first up, you know, I think we all understand, you know, the whole notion of risk. And some of us take a risk by you know, moving from one company to the other or one position as, say, sales director to general manager. But, you know, he took a competitive risk and a market risk by just getting in and doing something that no one's ever done before in Australia. And I think that that really stood out, you know, his ability to be really passionate and take a risk. I really liked his notion of embracing constraints. Um, you know, we've both been at big companies which have deep pockets, but he knew he didn't have deep pockets. The only thing he had was a bucket load of passion, and that's done really well for him. And I think probably the last bit is that he continually disrupts because he's discovery-driven. You know, he gets people on board 
who are aligned to his values. They're not just laminated above a reception. They actually live it. And he's always always looking for the next big thing, you know, whether, you know, moving from coconut water to banana water, water to, you know, macadamia milk. And I think, you know, a, a lot of those concepts, are, you know, are integral for entrepreneurs, but I'm sure a lot of people out there in corporate world could, you know, take on some of those, you know, elements of being a disruptor. What about yourself? Mate, uh, look, there was a lot to take out. I, 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 without a doubt, the the growth uh, can squash you. Uh, it was a real pertinent one. Uh, certainly, being an owner operator, uh, business owner for for nearly twenty years, um, you can go through some really big growth spurts. But uh, unfortunately, cash uh, is king, and, and you need that to survive. You can't. Uh, you know, there's no um, no no fair way, or there's you know of of um, keeping uh, people motivated if there's no pay in their in their in their check you know, pay account every every week. So definitely um, having to, to to navigate through that landscape, I think, was a really important one for people that are going into uh, into their own businesses. Um, without a doubt, three steps in front. That's that's always a common one. That's you know, and really. The, the three steps that he spoke about uh, in terms of overcoming stress, that was a really critical one. I really like that. I think anyone can, uh, anyone listening today can take away a lot from David's uh, advice there. At, uh, through meditation, he come up with the, the three sort of simple keys for him and, you know, particularly in a stressful situation, things that don't go your way that, you know, first and foremost, you just got to accept them. They are what they are and, and you just need to take that on board and, and uh, more importantly, um, you know, have an understanding of why uh, everything happens for a reason. Generally, we find that hard to, to acknowledge and, and sometimes can't see that. But, uh, you know, we've got to really embrace that or, or at least at the time just to, to internalize it, to, to understand why. And, and then really the third piece is to, to learn from that and, and how do we improve ourselves from, from being in that position again so that's really that three steps in front world so that's a key one and 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 mate um you know having a bigger purpose uh, other than himself so you know he's definitely got a health conscious uh, concept and, and and he's gone and followed his passion with a with a range of beverages uh, for for well-being but uh, you know to to be really supportive of someone like uh, charlie tia and what he's done and what he's continuing to do um you know in in his you know in his line and is, is amazing and uh, you know he's, he's obviously an inspiration um, to all around uh, you know brain um, brain cancers and tumors and uh, for, for him for David to really get in and support that and uh, and get the clothes off mate and jump in jump in the cold water I think uh, is just a testimony to you know there are bigger things and, and he's happy to support those so uh, look on that note I, I'd really like to, to thank our guest today uh, David Freeman. And, you know, I'm sure we couldn't have done it without the production expertise of Young Gun, Lake Labina. Yeah, um, uh, many thanks. And uh, as on a weekly basis, uh, to our creative partner, uh, Ant May from Ant Designs, uh, uh, Sydney's leading digital uh, agency and website providers. So next we'll be hearing from uh, another one of our uh, industry gurus uh, that I'm sure you'll uh, going to take, uh, a, a, again, a, a different piece out of all of our podcasts and, and uh, more importantly, uh, some of Australia's leading dynamos, uh, whether that be through the corporate space or in an entrepreneurial way. So uh, on that note. So I'm getting uh, really looking forward to that, mate. So until next week, we'll see you then.